Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 11th chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 9. And this should be a familiar story from Sunday school. Um, maybe you've heard a story that goes something like this. Um, there was a group of people in a place called Babel. And um, they were so prideful that they wanted to build a tower that would reach all the way up to heaven um, so that they could be um, in heaven and be equal with God. And God sees what these uh, prideful human beings are doing, and he um, decides to destroy the tower um, in, in a fit of rage and scatter uh, the people of Babel all over the earth. Is that how y'all remember the story? More or less? It's a great story. Um, it's almost a parable about, um, about um, uh, that old saying um, from Proverbs, pride cometh before the fall, right? That if, we, if, we, if we reach too high, if we aspire too much, if we get too big for our britches, um, uh, uh, God will come along and smack down that Jenga tower and uh, bring us back where we belong. Take us down a peg or two. It's a great story. Too bad it's not in the Bible. Um, when we actually look at the story of what happened at Babel, um, we discover that a lot of the details we think we remember from Sunday school actually aren't there. Um, God never actually destroys the tower. Um, we get a range of, of interesting emotions from God. None of them uh, are anger. And um, as I think you'll see, pride is not really um, uh, the sin at stake here. And so um, I've hope, I hope I've, I've whet your appetite just a little bit to, to look at this scripture together and see maybe how it's different than um, how we remember it from Sunday school. So Genesis, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth. And they stopped building the city. This is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. This is the word of God. 
May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. If a little bit different, a little bit more complicated. Um, the people of Babel are, are building a city and uh, in, in the midst of the city, they're building a tower and God doesn't knock over the tower the way we remember it in Sunday school. God confuses the language of the people and they abandon the tower. It's left unfinished, sitting there presumably to this very day. See, it's not a story about, um, about God humbling people in a fit of rage. It's a story about something else. There's a different moral. What is the moral of this story? first thing that came to my mind was God hates teamwork, right? <laughs> that could be the moral. Um, don't get a bunch of people together and try to do something bigger than yourselves, right? Um, but that seems like a terrible moral you'll find in the Bible, doesn't it? After all, here we are, a church of people trying to, uh, to, to bring people together and, 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 and do something great. Surely that's not what God's trying to tell us through this story. What's the moral of this story? Maybe it's never trust a Babylonian. See, um, for, uh, for the people originally hearing this story, they would have ex- known exactly who the people of Babel were. Babylon. I mean, it's right there in the name, and it's just as uh, um, uh, obvious in the Hebrew as it is in English. Babel equals Babylon. And in fact, uh, uh, um, we're, we're told that uh, the people moved eastward, and they found a plain in Shinar. And the plain of Shinar is exactly where, um, where Babylon was. You see, for, for the ancient Hebrews, um, the Babylonians were, were uh, the main empire, the big empire of the day, the empire that was gobbling up all the other nations and spreading across the earth. You know, we hear um, that, that uh, the people were of one language and a common speech. And we kind of think, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Everyone speaking the same language, everyone um, uh, uh, giving the world a Coke and teaching them to sing in perfect harmony, right? That sounds nice. That sounds almost utopian, like something worth striving for. But for ancient people, when they heard uh, 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 people had one speech, they heard something very different. Because one speech was always the goal of empire. It is the goal of, 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 of the Babylonians to, to conquer the whole earth and everyone speak one language. Babylonian. The reason um, uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples likely knew and spoke Greek was because in his lifetime, Alexander the Great took over most of the known world. And every place he took over, 
he made them learn Greek and speak Greek. The idea of, 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 uh, of people being united under one speech and one language to ancient people meant empire. And so the Hebrews have this story about, about, uh, about the Babylonians and how, um, and how at one time they had achieved their dream. Everyone spoke one, one language. Everyone was united. The empire was, was, was fully realized. They were the dog that got the bumper. And what did they do? They built a tower. Maybe that's, um, maybe that's the moral of the story. Don't build towers. The tower they built was almost certainly a ziggurat. Um, I, I, on the front of your bulletin, you, you have a picture of a ziggurat. Um, you probably uh, remember seeing them in your um, history uh, textbook. Maybe the ancient Sumerians, the ancient Mesopotamians, the ancient Babylonians built these ziggurats. And they look kind of like pyramids, right? They've got this, this, uh, this step tower kind of um, uh, construction. But they're very different from pyramids. See, um, pyramids have rooms and chambers that you can go through. Ziggurats have no rooms. They're all filled in. The main feature of a ziggurat is this ladder that goes up to the top, this staircase that goes up to the top. They almost exist entirely to support this staircase. Now, I've actually been to a ziggurat. When, um, uh, when we went to El Salvador um, one year, uh, we got to go see the Mayan ruins. And let me tell you, I was excited about seeing the Mayan ruins. I was all jacked up to see the Mayan ruins on our free day. And in my mind, when I think like Mayan ruins, I'm thinking of like um, Indiana Jones or Legends of the Hidden Temple kind of a thing. And, um, and, and you know, where they're going to be booby traps, like uh, stones rolling down and... Um, uh, you know, ancient uh, hieroglyphics that we had to decipher, like all that, all that kind of thing. And so I was really excited. And it turns out the Mayan ruins were actually pretty lame. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I got to see this ziggurat and I don't know, as far as buildings go, maybe four stories. Right? I wouldn't have described it as reaching the heavens. And it had a, you know, it had the staircase on it, and all of us got to, uh, you know, climb up the staircase, and you get to the top, and you kind of do the rocky pose, and and then you look around, and say, oh, this is this is cool, and then you're done. I mean, there just really wasn't much to do there. In fact, the next year we decided to go zip lining instead, and not, none of us wanted to say it out loud, but we all kind of knew, yeah, we did the Mayan ruins. It was kind of lame wasn't that big a deal. I say that because if you all saw that this tower that, that, that the people of Babel built and they said it, its top is reaching the heavens, you would probably be overwhelmed. You know, it's no empire state building. 
is no um, uh, Sears Tower, is no whatever they've got over um, in, in the United Arab Emirates, right? We built way taller things than, than this ziggurat that was built in Babel. It wasn't about reaching heaven. In fact, um, this language, a tower reaching heavens, um, is boilerplate language for ziggurats. Um, archaeologists have discovered ziggurats all over the Middle East, and they all have names like this. Um, uh, the tower uh, whose top is in the heavens and, and whose, whose bottom is in the netherworld. Um, the stairway to the heavens. The gateway of heaven, right? They, they, all have, uh, they all have these kinds of titles. The purpose of the ziggurat was not to get up into heaven. In fact, it was actually the reverse. See, um, if you would go up to the top of these ancient ziggurats, they'd have a little house at the top, like a little tiny house. And in the house, there'd be a little tiny bed. And in, um, in that little tiny bed, there would be a stone idol. And because that's um, where the God lived. And the whole idea of a ziggurat is, um, is, is if people used to, uh, used to still do picture mountains as sacred places. In many parts of the world, we still have sacred mountains today. And that's because ancient people believed that mountains were closer to heaven. And so that's, uh, that's uh, where uh, gods went back and forth from heaven to earth, was on the top of mountains. And so, so these mountains would be sacred places. Now, if you're the ancient Babylonians and you move out into the plain, you don't have any mountains. And so you have to build your own. And so they built their own sacred mountains. And these were called ziggurats. And they had these staircases that went up into the heavens. And the whole idea was, was you know, you didn't have to plan your city around uh, the God's sacred mountain, you could put your city where you wanted it and make your own sacred mountain. And, and so it wasn't about bringing ourselves up to where God is. It was about bringing God down to where we are. So that's the whole purpose of a stone idol anyway. It, it, it's giving the God a body. And, and, and when, you, when you invite the God to inhabit this body, then you can do whatever you want with it, right? You can parade the God around um, uh, at your festivals. You can tell people when and where to worship the God. You, you can make the God smile up, upon your wars or, um, or your, uh, your, your, your decisions that you make as an empire, an idol is a god you can control. A ziggurat is, is a sacred space that you can decide where it's going to be. See, the people of Babel weren't trying to raise themselves up to God. They were trying to bring God down to them. They were trying to control God. My kids don't like to play Monopoly with me. Um, because, and I don't mean to brag, but I always win. And I'm ruthless in the process because, see, I think it's important to teach them something about life. Again, life, um, you know, loans come with interest and, um, and people aren't nice to you just because you're cute, right? 
is that they have to learn this from me, and so we play Monopoly. And the whole purpose of Monopoly is to own everything, right? Is to eventually acquire everything. And in the story of Babel, we see people with a monopoly. They have a monopoly on language. They have a monopoly on culture. They have a monopoly uh, on, on, all, on all the land, all the territory. So they've got nowhere to go but up. And now they're trying to monopolize the heavens. They're trying to decide where the holy mountain's going to be and, and, and when and where God will show up and what he will and won't smile upon. They want a monopoly. So what does, what does God do? He breaks up the monopoly. It's actually kind of a comical scene. It, it reminds me of like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where, um, where Elmer Fudd's got his, hole, his head stuck down the rabbit hole and he's looking for him and, and, and Bugs Bunny is just uh, standing next to him, leaning on a tree, you know, chomping on his carrot. What's up, Doc? Right? This is the same kind of scene. See, they're building their portal to the heavens, right? They're building their, their, their staircase that's going to bring God down. And they're all focusing on this, and, and it's not complete yet. But when it's complete, you know, God will come down and bless us. And God hears the commotion and says, let's go down and see what's going on down there. And God apparently doesn't need this staircase, right? He just goes down to heaven on his own. And so I just picture all the people focused on building this staircase that's going to bring God down to them and God just sort of standing behind them saying, what are we going to do about this? And so he breaks up the monopoly. And it only takes one little thing, doesn't it? Just rearrange the board a little bit. He scatters he scatters their languages. He scrambles their languages. And now that they don't have a monopoly on one thing, language, everything else falls apart. They can't communicate, and so the tower is left undone, and they all go scatter across the earth and form their own tribes and their own nations and their own cultures. God breaks up the monopoly. So what is the moral of this story? What is this story about? You know, there's a part of me, you know, the, like the social justice warrior part of me that, that wants this story to be about sticking it to the man, right? About... The, our, 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 our modern Babylons that are, are pursuing some kind of monoculture and, and, and they don't care um, uh, uh, what, what cultures they run over in, in the process. We, we could talk about, um, uh, about uh, globalization and gentrification and, and all those kinds of buzzwords. But I think when we do that, we risk seeing ourselves in this story. You know, we kind of make it about somebody else over there. And I think there's a message in here for the church. See, I think as churches, sometimes we're guilty 
of not wanting to go where God is, but wanting to bring God down to where we are. We're kind of guilty of deciding where the holy mountain is going to be. We're kind of guilty of planting our flag where we want to be, where we think is a great place, and inviting God to come and join us. I can't tell you, you know, just uh, in ministry, how many meetings I've sat in, church meetings, where, where we sit around and talk about um, our vision, what we want to do, the, the, the thing, things that we think are important. And then we pray at the end. Or maybe sometimes when we're really spiritual, we say a short prayer at the beginning. But most of those meetings are about what we want and what we think. And it seems to us, or Granny would have liked this, or just our kind of preference. And then we think to invite God into what we've already decided to do. The mountain we've already decided to build the place we've already decided to plant our flag. And when this, uh, this um, a field of dreams approach to ministry doesn't work, this if we build it, he will come approach doesn't work, we get upset. We say, why didn't God come along and bless this? We built him this great, big, beautiful staircase. Why didn't he use it? After all, this is the kind of thing God likes. This is the kind of thing God goes for. Why did he leave us hanging out to dry? We just assume God's going to show up wherever we decide he's going to show up then we're disappointed when he doesn't. Well, maybe we're supposed to be going to where God is. I think of the, um, the story of, uh, of Abraham Lincoln on uh, the eve of the Civil War. And, and he's got his advisors sort of around a table and um, and they're uh, you know they're talking about this or that strategy, and then someone says at the end of the meeting, Mr. President, I I think we should pray that in this great endeavor, that God would be on our side. And Abraham Lincoln looks at that um, that uh, that table full of advisors and says, No, let's not pray that God would be on our side but let us pray that we will be on God's side. And I think as a church, that should be our prayer. Instead of, uh, instead of building the thing and then, then praying that God comes along and blesses it, what if instead of that, we're about figuring out what God is doing and then going and being a part of that? See, somewhere in this community, God is already moving and we could be invited to be a part of that as a church sometimes we think it's about building up when really it's about going out and so we build these towers and the next level is always a new program 
or um, or uh, we're going to build a, a new facility, or we're we're going to uh, you know uh, get a new pastor, and that's going to fix everything. It's all about building up, right? If we just make this church one notch better, then then people will come in. But for God, it's about going out. See, God's plan for the world, for the people of Babel, was to send them out. Not to, you know, uh, let's all pile up in this city and see how high we can get. But to go out into the world. God is doing something right now in Ranger. And we should pray about being a part of it. About figuring out what that is and going and being a part of it. Going and being on God's side. It's not about building ourselves up. It's not about deciding where the mountain is going to be and inviting God to be a part of it. It's about figuring out what God, where his mountain is, what he's doing, and being a part of that. Just south of the plain in Shinar where the... Um, where, the, ba- where uh, the Tower of Babel was built. There's a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And in the very next chapter of Genesis, there's a man named Abram. And Abram is uh, out um, enjoying the night sky and he hears a voice. It says, follow me. I will make your name great and I will bless many nations through you. See, God doesn't need a mega church with its tower built up into the heavens. God needs one person willing to say, here I am send me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.